from 2Keto LLC. It's the Obesity Code Podcast with Dr. Jason Fung and Megan Ramos. Each week we bring you lessons and stories from the Intensive Dietary Management Program in Toronto, Canada. I'm Carl Franklin. And on the show today, Solving the Puzzle. The Obesity Code podcast is brought to you by 2Keto LLC, who strives to support the low-carb community with podcasts and other publications. And you can support our mission by making a monthly pledge, no matter how small, at patreon.2keto.com. Today's show centers around IDM patient Natasha Marco, whose puzzle started with a very small tumor on a gland at the base of her brain. But as you'll see, the detective work was finding a treatment. So I was diagnosed um, back in 2009 with what's called prolactinoma. Prolactinoma is a microadenoma, a small tumor on the pituitary gland. The symptoms include very irregular menstrual cycles, which Natasha experienced. In fact, she didn't have a period for seven months before she figured it out. And I thought, something's up. I, I need to go get it checked out. The first endocrinologist that I met thought that I had um, PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome. And then he prescribed me a treatment for that, a progesterone that would kind of induce my menstrual cycle. Um, I didn't agree with that treatment because I thought it, was, it wasn't telling me what my root problem was. It was just treating me with medicine. Richard Morris here. I'm the other keto dude. This is what is known as a symptomatic treatment. It's like treating a fever with ice baths instead of treating the infection that caused the fever in the first place with antibiotics, or giving a type 2 diabetic drugs that increase their insulin to lower their blood glucose when the cause of their disease is too much insulin. That's a good sign that you might want to get a second opinion from another doctor. So I changed endocrinologists, and when the new one ordered an MRI to see potentially if there was anything, there was. There was a small tumor on my pituitary gland. Um, it's too small to operate on or to remove. The pituitary gland is deep at the base of the brain and very difficult to get to. When that was first diagnosed, the first steps that I thought were, I don't want to take medicine, I want to try a naturopathic route. That definitely didn't work with me. Some people it can work with, with me, it just kind of, it, it messed me up and that could be a whole host of things that could have interfered with it, stress and so on. From there, my endocrinologist prescribed me this medication called Cabrajoline. And it's to basically ensure that I cycle normally um, or else it could be precancerous. The best way to kind of describe my condition is that what this does to my body um, is that it actually uh, convinces my body that it's pregnant, but it's not. The tumor elevates prolactin levels, which is secreted from the pituitary gland, usually in response to eating, mating, estrogen treatment, ovulation, and nursing. In Natasha's case, this prolactin was convincing her body that she was pregnant. It's a protein that, that really helps women produce milk for, for, for having babies. So I have all the symptoms of someone who's pregnant. I have milk. I don't have a menstrual cycle like most women do. I get most of the um, effects of it, the fatigue and all those things. And I was gaining weight. 
And I actually even went so far as to going, okay, if the dieting and this exercising and this isn't working, let me try what do pregnant women do to lose weight? They're like, they breastfeed. So I actually got a breast pump. <laughs> and I thought, if it does that, maybe it will. And a specialty fertility guy said, that's actually really smart. But the problem is, is that you would, increasing that prolactin might make you lose weight, but might make the tumor grow up. I'm like, okay, I'm okay, I'll, I'll stop. And I couldn't do anything to stop it. Nothing. So what exactly did this medicine do? The medicine was going to keep me cycling normally, um, which is important for health. And what was causing the weight gain? I couldn't tell if it was the medicine who was doing that, the tumor. I had no idea. Um, all I knew was that I was suffering extreme fatigue and I was gaining weight. There was nothing nothing I could do. And my endocrinologist didn't believe at all that it had anything to do, the tumor or the medicine had anything to do with my weight gain. Did you seek help from other experts besides your endocrinologist? I started doing research. I started looking online and I saw all these people, men and women who have these this condition, all of them were complaining about the same thing I was complaining about. They take this medicine and they can't stop gaining weight. They'd be working out really hard, exercising, eating great diets, nothing. And their endocrinologist said nothing to do with it. So I'm like, you know what? She's not helping me. Let me hire a, a dietitian and physiologist to see if I can. So I went to a specialty clinic. I was with them for a year. I did everything and it was all the wrong things, the calorie counting. I kept a food diary for every day, writing down exactly what I ate. And then I was, you know, I went down to even down to 1,200 calories, working out five days a week. Ah, the good old calories in, calories out trope. If you only run harder on the treadmill and eat less food, you'll lose weight. So, did you lose any weight? Nothing. Did your endocrinologist take your fasting insulin by any chance? Not that I know of. She was only testing my prolactin and my macroprolactin, which is an inactive form, very randomly to test. So nothing about that. And I kept saying, how can it not be related? The endocrinologist couldn't help, nor could the dietitian at the specialty clinic. They gave me my money back. They're like, we can't help you. We don't know what's going on in there. So I started just kind of scouring and seeing other people saying, um, trying to find any clue in there as to someone that could help me. And then I saw someone mention human growth hormone. So I asked my endocrinologist, because I went to research it. I'm like, oh, maybe this could help. And she completely dismissed it. She's like, no, absolutely not. So I'm like, huh. Were you concerned about too much human growth hormone or not enough? No, I was actually interested in someone saying human growth hormone can help this condition, can help um, with the uh, raising the metabolism and, um, and uh, help with the losing of the weight. Did you find anything to support that hypothesis? Only one person in all these forums I looked at mentioned it, and I was trying to find any clue. So she dismissed it, and I was like, oh, there has to be something. And then, through luck, through someone who recommended Dr. Fung saying fasting, I was interested, and I'm like, I'm willing to try anything, like 
anything. So what did your endocrinologist think of fasting? Every time I try and ask questions, um, I'm dismissed with it or it's frustrating and she doesn't want me to ask questions. She's like, take your medicine, we'll get you tested, and then that's it. Oh, that would be frustrating. The clue that I saw, which is what led me to Dr. Fung and Megan with the IDM clinic, was the human growth hormone. And then when I was, I said, let me just read his book. And as soon as I saw that in there, I was like, oh, that's the clue that that other person said that led me thinking maybe this has something to do with it. So that's how it kind of led me to them. Let's let Megan Ramos from IDM take over the next part of the story. We accept applicants um, with sort of unique medical situations um, that are, they're looking to sort of see how fasting might benefit. Because Dr. Fung and I are now trying to see what other areas does fasting have a role in helping the management, the treatment, or the reversal of the disease. In our Toronto clinic, we can only see Canadian patients. Um, so Natasha is uh, is a Torontonian, but Natasha um, was diagnosed with a prolactinoma. So this um, means she has a tumor on her pituitary gland, and this tumor makes her body think that she's pregnant. So women um, who have this tumor on their pituitary gland, um, they'll start lactating, like they're breastfeeding. Um, even though they're not, uh, they won't menstruate. They won't have regular menstrual periods because their body thinks that it's pregnant. So Natasha was always sort of in a state where her body thought it was pregnant. She had a really tough time losing weight because of it. She had tried so many diets. I remember um, when we talked in consultation, the number of diets she listed off to me was like a mile long. <laughs> and, uh, you know, she's, she pretty much said she was up for anything. Natasha's case was a bit unusual, and Megan wasn't quite sure if she could help. When Natasha asked me um, how she should make payment, I said, please don't, you know. Um, I said, I, I don't know if we can we can help you. I'm not going to take your money. I don't know if we can help you. Um, because historically, women with prolactinomas can't lose weight. Like it's, um, and I didn't know if this condition um, was one thing that might be too strong for fasting. I, I thought maybe this condition was something that would have fasting beat. Um, so I wasn't 100% convinced that we'd be able to help Natasha out. I was very open and upfront with her about this at the start. Dr. Fung was a little bit more optimistic than I was, um, but we definitely let Natasha know that she was a guinea pig and we didn't know how this was gonna go. One of the things we told Natasha really right up front is that we have very little experience with these sort of uh, pituitary adenomas with fasting. There's essentially no literature out there to say whether or not this is something that is going to work and um, nothing to say that either good or bad that it would have effect. The fasting typically affects certain hormones, which is uh, the insulin is the main one, but then you get this sort of counter-regulatory hormone surge, one of them being growth hormone. And it's unclear how the growth hormone was going to interact with 
all the other hormones. So the main problem with Natasha was that she had too much of this prolactin, which also uh, messes up the estrogen uh, levels and progesterone levels. And those are all sort of in the uh, reproductive cycle sort of hormones, whereas fasting has mostly to do with fat storage and um, appetite and all this sort of stuff. There is some interaction there, obviously, um, but we didn't know essentially how it was going to work out. So we were very upfront about that. But on the other hand, what did she really have to lose? Dr. Fung took a pragmatic approach to Natasha's case and started her on some supervised fasting. If you um, start the fasting and things do really well, well, great, then you can continue. If you start the fasting and things either don't improve or get worse, then you stop and then you go back to what you're doing. One of the really important questions that people seem to always ignore in the treatment of weight loss or anything is always this. You always got to ask yourself, how's that working for you? Because if it's working, then do it. If it doesn't work, then don't do it. It's really as simple as that. You got to know what you're trying to do, have some kind of a measure of it, and decide whether or not the intervention you're doing is helping or not helping. It seems really, really obvious, but nobody seems to follow this rule. You can say, okay, I'm going to continue because the theory says it should work, and that's the wrong thing to do. You really want to say, uh, let me try something else. And this gets back to the recently released U.S. news sort of best diets. And the best diets recommended in the world are the same sort of diets that most people recommend. That is low fat, low calorie. And they're the usual sorts of diets, the DASH diet, the Mediterranean diet, and so on. And dead last is a ketogenic diet. If these things have been the best diets for 15, 20 years, and almost everybody follows them to some extent, but yet everybody's getting fatter, and that's we know that, then the sort of truth is that I don't care why you think it should work, it doesn't. So face it and move on. Try something else. Try the ketogenic diet. Try intermittent fasting. If it works for you, then who cares what everybody says, why it shouldn't work or why it should be so bad for you. Just do it because you have objective evidence for yourself that it does work. So for Natasha, we did the same thing. And we said, well, we're not sure what's going to happen. Nobody has any experience with fasting and prolactinoma. And we have more experience <laughs> with fasting patients than anybody in the world by a good margin. So really, you're not going to know. Nobody's going to know. But hey, why don't you give it a try? Natasha had read the obesity code and found some clues in there that she thought fasting might work for her. I saw a human growth hormone. I read about autophagy. I'm like cell regeneration. I'm like this tumor is in my pituitary gland. Human growth hormone is in my pituitary gland. If it helps epilepsy patients, maybe it can help me. I'm like, I'm willing to try it. So I read it. I started doing some small intermittent fasting, met with Dr. Fung and Megan. They're like, well, it seems like you're there's something uh, resistant in your body. You should really try a seven-day fast. I was like, oh my God. 
we know that there's other things that happen with fasting, especially we talked to her about some of the longer fasts because we wanted to 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 tap into sort of this autophagy uh, pathway. But again, we 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 don't we we didn't know, and we still don't know whether or not that is going to translate into shrinking of this tumor or not. Um, because this tumor is under autonomous pathways, that is, tumors are not regulated by the normal growth pathways of cells. Uh, it shouldn't normally be there, it shouldn't grow, but yet it does. So therefore, it's not under the normal growth of cells. Uh, we didn't know whether it would respond or not. So when patients come into the clinic with more unique circumstances, we do start them off on a shorter fasting regimen. So a shorter fasting regimen would be three times a week fasting for 24 hours and the other four days of the week fasting for about 16 hours. So we started Natasha off on what, what we consider to be our most mild therapeutic fasting regimen in our clinic and Natasha wasn't experiencing any weight loss. But the shorter fast did allow us to troubleshoot some issues. So we learned from Natasha's system that her body dumps a lot of sodium and it doesn't retain sodium very well. So we did a few weeks of these shorter 24-hour fasts and we really sort of troubleshooted the electrolyte issues. I tend to uh, um, dehydrate pretty easily, so it's salt, making sure that I have proper the Himalayan salt and that, and taking um, the uh, magnesium in the morning and the evening, that really helps. Uh, the only challenge that I have, I mean, I didn't realize I was as disciplined as I was, but I think when you, when something works, <laughs> when it works that well, I'm, I will go, you know, headstrong and keep doing it because I'm seeing the results. So the only challenge that I have is my healthcare provider, my specialist. I mean, Megan and Dr. Fung are really helpful. They're working with me. They're collaborating with me as our like family and friends. They're like, wow, this is great. But my specialist is not working with me on this. A lot of patients that we work with sort of who struggle with regular metabolic obesity um, and metabolic complications such as type 2 diabetes, 24 hours of fasting intermittently gets quite good results. Is it slower than prolonged periods of fasting? Absolutely, but you can still get there. And doing a 24-hour fast three times a week is really sustainable people are able to keep it up on a week-to-week -week basis, whereas doing prolonged periods of fasting isn't sustainable. We're so busy and we have social commitments and family commitments, it's tough to always be in a fasted state. People who do intermittent fasting, they tend to be a little bit more successful at the end of the year than people who do these longer bursts of fast, you know, several times throughout the year. So we wanted to see what would happen um, with Natasha, but she had zero response to this 24-hour fast. At this point, um, when we realized the 24-hour fasting was not going to get us anywhere with Natasha, she was already uh, feeling pretty strong in a fasted state. So we first started off with a three-day fast and she started to get some weight loss. 
she's done several longer fasts now, and she's done a lot of these five-day fasts. So she's lost a tremendous amount of weight since we started working with her about nine months ago. This is something that I get asked all the time. Do I really need to put a fast for three days? Do I really need to fast for five days? Do I have to fast for seven days? And 99% of the time, the answer is no. Doing intermittent fasting will get you there. But in Natasha's case, she was that rare one percentage that intermittent fasting wasn't going to get her anywhere. But I was so amazed with her results with these five-day fasts. Um, so Natasha will often alternate five-day fasts with three-day fasts. So one week she'll do five days, the next week she'll do three days, five days, three days. Um, and then she'll have a vacation in there or she'll be you know, traveling somewhere for work or her husband will be home and they'll eat a little bit more frequently that week. She's really able to spend, you know, good 80% of her time going back and forth between these five and three day fasts. And then the other 20% of the time, she's now in such a deep state of ketosis that she's really not hungry. So she was really only eating one, one meal a day. That's an amazing result for someone whose endocrinologist and dietitians couldn't help them lose one pound and keep it off. Natasha at first got a lot of great results just with fasting, which motivated her to want to get even better results. And this is something I hear from a lot of new consults all of the time. Patients will come into clinic or I'll consult with them online and they'll say, Megan, I need to get hooked on this. So I need you to have me do something crazy that's going to result in some really serious results right away. So I'm going to be super motivated to do whatever it takes to keep these results coming along. And this is sort of what just naturally happened to Natasha. For the first time, she just started losing all this weight and getting all this energy and she didn't want to lose it. So she was totally willing to go ketogenic and uh, she was very successful at achieving ketogenic diet. So even when Natasha's on vacation and she's traveling around or spending more time in New York City or Toronto with her husband when he's in town, she's able to pretty much stick to one meal a day. She'll eat one really fatty meal a day and she's satiated and she's able to sort of maintain her weight just doing that um, on that 20% of the time where she's not doing these more aggressive uh, intermittent fasts between five days and three days of fasting. I did jump in. I mean, if I was fat adapted, it would have been a bigger breeze for me to go through it. But I didn't. I just kind of jumped in and I felt everything everyone feels on the third day. I'm like, what's happening <laughs> to my body? I really, I really had a hard time with that, but I, I pushed through. Now, when I was trying to lose weight before with this clinic, dietitian physiologist working with me, in three months, I lost two pounds and I gained it right back after going from 1,200 calories to 1,400. Two pounds in three months. That's how difficult it was for me. Exercising all the time. And the fasting, in one week, I lost a pound a day. And I was like, what? What? What's happening? Something's really working. This is really working. When I gave them the results, Megan and Dr. Fung were so happy. They're like, okay, why don't we try and do some more intermittent fasting longer, two days fasting, three days eating, back and forth, and then once a month do an extended fast. I'm like, I'm game. Let's do this. So I did. And since then, 
from I met started doing it last March, I lost 45 pounds. Which is so great, and it's not only made me feel much better because I've lost it, and I feel like I have control over my body, and I've started doing much more of a ketogenic diet, but I've noticed so many different things as well. Um, the milk production that I have has reduced. Whatever that's happening with my prolactin has gone down. I no longer suffer fatigue, which is a side effect of elevated prolactin and estrogen levels. I don't need to take a nap during the day. I sleep like a rock. So I'm dying to know, what happened to the tumor? Well, I'm going to be getting that tested this coming April. I'm getting another MRI to see if after a year of fasting, if it's done anything. I'm not holding my breath. It might not, um, nothing might happen, but I'll try for the next year and see if it does it, because I think consistently doing it would help, because ideally my end goal is Get rid of that tumor, stop having to take medication, maintain my health, and then ideally help all those other people who are in the same boat as me and who are searching for help and their doctors aren't helping. And they're like, I'm gaining weight. There's nothing I can do with this pituitary tumor. You know, there's a chance that the ketogenic diet that Natasha is using to get control of her weight gain might actually help with the underlying tumor. Professor Thomas Seyfried from Boston College has been studying water-only fasting and ketogenic diets as a means to reduce the size of tumors. Water-only fasting is so powerful. And, um, and uh, combining water-only fasting with ketogenic diets, like on a cycling, go for several days with water-only and then switch to a ketogenic diet for several days or a week and then switch back to water-only fasting. Um, those kinds of, that's a very powerful system for a slowly degrading the tumor. We've seen it happen. We've, we have data to support that. So uh, there are a lot of techniques that we can use to supplement ketogenic diets and paleo diets to really put, a, put the, the, the pressure on these cancer cells so they can't survive. Uh, but the quality of life in these people is, is, is much, much greater. They're, they're generally much uh, more active. They're less fatigued. They're less nauseated. They don't have a lot of the same conditions that the um, standards of care produce. Um, so again, this is a, a, a work in progress and we're working it out through groups of physicians throughout the world and in the United States, um, to, to fine tune this whole process so that we can come up with a, a protocol that can be applied to almost every cancer. I don't know of any cancer that can survive this therapy. One interesting thing that happened is that after Natasha started doing this fasting, her prolactin levels peaked. They went really high, which can kind of indicate that the tumor is growing. So I tried talking with my doctor about it, and she said, okay, why don't we wait till you stop fasting for a little bit? Um, in six months, and this was halfway through my fast, like in August, I started in March, in August, my prolactin levels peaked really high. Range is usually around the 20s from what I understand. My levels were, when I first found out I had the tumor, was over 100, and my levels were over 100 now. So I was like, something's up. So she said, okay, maybe let's stop with the fasting too much and, the, and see if your weight stabilizes, see if it has a change in it. So I did that, got it tested back in just a, a, a month ago, and my levels dropped. Totally dropped right back down. So I said, oh, so fasting has an effect on prolactin. She goes, no, it doesn't. 
No, but wait. I said, I, <laughs> I stabilized my weight and I stopped fasting and my levels dropped back down. She goes, it has nothing to do with it. I said, so what does it have to do with? She goes, I don't know. I said, well, okay, if fasting is a stress to the body, stress actually raises prolactin. Couldn't that have effect on it? She goes, well, yes. I said, well. Well, there you have it. The wisdom of the experts. I'm researching and looking at all the stuff and the science of it makes so much sense. Like, I don't understand how, how weight gain and prolactinoma, the condition that I have, aren't correlated. I mean, if the rise in prolactin decreases estrogen and a decrease in estrogen influences the amount of fat in the body, how do these two things not combine? What other pleasant side effects did you experience from the fasting and ketogenic diet? But I also did notice too, like the, not only did it cure my like fatigue syndrome and all that, but um, one of the things with the, the prolactinoma, which is what I have, has is it reduces the um, sex hormones like estrogen. So my libido went down, but with fasting, it increased it. <laughs> so my husband's very happy, yeah. And do you think that fasting and keto is something that you could keep up for a long time? Are you are you in for the long haul? I love it. I totally love it. It's so um, it's made a huge change for me. I I love the food in it. It's delicious. Um, I can eat as much as I want to satiety, uh, and I feel good. Like I don't. I notice a difference when I change from a ketogenic and then I introduce something else. Like I introduced couscous. I'm like, ah, let me try couscous. My stomach was really not happy with that at all. Um, I see the difference of what my body feels like when it's not eating ketogenic and I don't feel good. Even if it tastes good in that moment, the next day, <laughs> We'll check in with Natasha in the spring and find out what happened to that pesky little tumor. And that's our story for this week. You've been listening to the Obesity Code podcast, lessons and stories from the Intensive Dietary Management Program. The Obesity Code podcast is brought to you by 2Keto LLC, who strives to support the low-carb community with podcasts and other publications. And you can support our mission by making a monthly pledge, no matter how small, at patreon.2keto.com. I'm Carl Franklin. We'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.